The Bible is a book of battles. What unfolds in the Bible, little by little, is the spiritual battle raging behind our earthly struggle. The Christian is called into spiritual warfare or spiritual battle. Our enemies are more subtle in their disguises because they don't come as marauding barbarians fighting against fortified cities. But they are nevertheless just as real. It's the world, it's the flesh, it's the devil. And they come masquerading themselves, sometimes even as angels of light, sometimes as good ideas or what are seemingly good people. But nonetheless, they're spiritual enemies. We, like Israel of old, need to know how to fight. We know what we ought to be wearing. Ephesians is clear about our spiritual warfare and the armor that we need to put on. But it doesn't get into the specifics of how to fight. We're told in other passages to fight a good fight. But how do we do that? Psalm 47 gives us a central imperative to fighting. We need to fight against the spiritual enemies. And when we fight, we need to fight in praise, for our God reigns. If we're to entitle Psalm 47, we'll call it the triumph of our reigning God. The triumph of our reigning God. In our spiritual battles against the host of wickedness, the key command in our fight is to praise God. And as we praise God, He will help us to overcome those enemies. So as we begin in Psalm 47, let's begin with verses 1 to 4. And we need to praise God before the battle. We need to praise God before the battle. Oh, clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with the voice of joy. For the Lord Most High is to be feared. A great king over all the earth. He subdues peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chooses our inheritance for us. The glory of Jacob, whom he loves, Selah. You see, the psalm begins with a call to worship. The first clause indicates the quantity of praise. All you peoples. That's everybody. No one is exempt from praising God. Now, that's not to say everyone will praise God. But the reality is, we are all, as believers, in a spiritual warfare. And every believer has a responsibility to praise God. The second clause indicates the quality of our praise. Shout with the voice of triumph. Now, there's definitely an eschatological note here because certainly there will be a day when all the peoples of the earth will ultimately praise Yahweh. But right now, while we're engaging in spiritual warfare, we've got our armor on, we've got our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, we got on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But as we go forth preparing for the battle, that's before the battle, we need to be praising God. That's the number one thing we need to do in our fight, praise God. Now in verses 2 through 4, the psalmist enumerates the reasons for this praise or this worship. Because, number one, God is the Lord Most High. He is the personal God. He is Yahweh. He is over all other gods. And that idea there that he is over all other gods comes from 1 Corinthians 10 verse 20. And the idea is that he is God over angels. Okay, It's not gods as in other deities besides him, but little 
mighty ones or angels or in this case even demons. He is God over the demonic realm, the angelic realm, and he is God over all the nations. He is the Lord Most High. Number two, God is awesome. He is to be feared. He's to be feared. And that means we need to reverence his mighty power. Number three, he is a great king. Okay, so first, he was the Lord Most High. Second, he is an awesome God. That is, he's to be feared or reverenced. Third, he is a great king. Uh, that is, he is a sovereign ruler. His word, his will are absolute. Fourth, we can praise him because he is God over all the earth. His reign is universal. He is a creator and he is the redeemer. There is no other creator or other redeemer. And number five, he is to be worshipped for what he does. He subdues people under us and nations under our feet. He's to be worshipped for what he does. He leads us in victory over the peoples and the nations. Now, in that statement, he subdues peoples under us and nations under our foot, we have a picture here of a military victory where the commander places his foot on the defeated enemy's back. We see this in Joshua 10 and verse 24. God not only gives victory in the battle, but he also gives us an inheritance. He chooses our inheritance for us. Thus, we have a future. For Israel, it's the promised land. For us, it's the new heaven and new earth, Revelation 21.1. And for all these reasons, we are to shout our joy to God for who he is and for what he has done. And in the shout of triumph, we are ready for battle. So before the battle, praise God. Now, verses 5 through 7. We need to praise God not only before the battle, we need to praise God in the battle. Verse 5. God has ascended with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth, sing praises with a skillful psalm. The psalmist describes God going to war. He has ascended with a shout, with the sound of a trumpet. The verb ascend means that he has gone up to the temple. However, this same word that means to go up to the temple also means to go to war. We see this in Judges 1.1 and 1 Samuel 7.7. 7. In Isaiah 36 and verse 10, the governor of the chief of staff of the king of Assyria said that he had come up against Judah. He had gone to war against Judah with Yahweh's blessing. He tells King Hezekiah's servants, Have I now come up without the Lord against this land to destroy it? The Lord said to me, Go up, ascend to this land, and destroy it. In the context of verse 3 and verse 9 then, in our psalm, we take God's going up with a shout and the sound of a trumpet as his going into battle for his people. And the trumpet, the shofar, the ram's horn, is used to summon troops for battle and direct them in battle. You can cross-reference that to, again to Judges 6.34 and 2 Samuel 2.28. In response to Yahweh's fighting, Israel is called to praise Him. In response to Yahweh's fighting for us, the church is called to praise Him. God's people are to sing praises to God, their King, and the King of all the earth. And sing praises is an imperative repeated five times here for emphasis. We are to sing to God with understanding. That's skillfully. Praise goes with a battle already won. 
God is to be worshipped in the battle because he is universal, sovereign king, and he's guaranteed to win. Even when our backs are against the wall, even when we are seemingly pinned down by the enemy, we can be fighting with praise. We can be praising God in the midst of the battle because he's already won. He's going to give us the victory. For this reason, Paul and Silas, having been, been beaten and jailed in Philippi, prayed and sang to the Lord at midnight with their feet in the stocks. Acts 16, 23-25. Say, because God is universal sovereign king, his enemies will fall and we will be victorious. Paul and Silas knew that. That is the faith that cannot be broken. This is the faith in the midst of the battle. So when you can praise God in the midst of the battle, man, it shows you've got faith. You already know that God's guaranteed the win. And then finally, verse 8 and 9. Verse 8 and 9. We need to praise God after the battle. We need to praise God after the battle. Verse 8. God reigns over the nations. God sits on His holy throne. The princes of the people have assembled themselves as the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. The psalmist confesses again God's reign. The nations are his subjects and he sits before them on his holy throne. It is holy. It is separated because God is holy. God is separated. He's separated from sin. And then the leaders of the princes of the people, notice the plural here, the peoples, gather together. They're joined by the people or the nations of the God of Abraham. That is the Jews who belong to Abraham's covenant. And there's coming a day when after the battle has been won, we're going to continue praising God after the battle. There's that day coming when all Jews and Gentiles will submit to the sovereign king, will surrender their shields, lay down their weapons, beat their swords in the plows. With all the peoples and nations, they are going to proclaim God is to be greatly exalted. You see, we are in a spiritual warfare. And yes, we are outfitted for the warfare. We're putting on that armor from head to toe. We've got our shield, we've got our sword. But the command to fight is a command to praise God. As you go into that battle, as you engage with the forces of darkness, as you engage with the world, the flesh, and the devil, as you engage with those spiritual enemies, we're told to battle not with physical weapons, but spiritual. And the weapons we have that shield of faith and that sword which is the Bible, the way we're supposed to use those are in praise to God. Praise God before the battle, praise God during the battle, and praise God after the battle. Psalm 47 prepares us for our battles. If we begin in praise, we can end in praise. We'll continue in praise. Our God reigns. He'll break the revolt against His sovereign world. Will, will. He is the great warrior king. He will roll back the darkness of Satan. And that's why we can shout with the voice of triumph even before the battle begins because we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this psalm that gives us the imperative command of how to fight. We fight, Father, by praising you before, during, and after the battle. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to that end to be a praising people, a people that are constantly rejoicing in who you are and what you are doing and what you have done, and that, Father, most importantly, that you've already granted us the victory. We do not need to despair in the midst of the battle. We don't need to be under woe in, as the battle approaches because we know you've already guaranteed the win. 
And so we thank you for that, Father. We thank you for uh, giving us victory. And so, Lord, as we engage, I pray that we're outfitted with the armor from head to toe. I pray that we've got our shield. I pray that we've got our sword. But, Lord, let us not just stand there with our teeth in our mouth. Let us stand there praising you for all that you've done, are doing, and will do before, during, and after the battle. Thank you for the victory. Thank you for making us more than conquerors because you loved us. We pray this in your son's precious name. Amen.